Hey there, my name is Valentin Umbach, and you're listening to Analytics Anonymous, the show where I talk with analytics leaders and practitioners about the challenge of making better decisions with data. In this episode, I talk with Uzi Bloom about data quality. Uzi works as VP Data at TaxFix in Berlin, and he's also recently published an article on Medium about the four shades of data quality, which is why I'm so excited to talk about this topic with him. Yeah, so Uzi, I'm super happy to have you on the show today. Thank you, Valentin, and happy to be here and, and talk about data quality, definitely topics that I'm uh, quite passionate and interesting in uh, more than a decade of work around the topic. That's great. Okay, uh, Uzi, before we uh, jump into the topic, um, I would like you to maybe tell me a bit about yourself, uh, what you do at TaxFix and, and how you got there. Yeah, so um, right now um, I'm a VP of data in TaxFix and um, that's essentially handling everything data in TaxFix from the data platform things, so the infrastructure and tooling through the data assets and the data warehouse, semantic layers and BI tools and through the data analysis, whether it's product, marketing, operation, finance and uh, machine learning practice uh, around tax around uh, the different uh, products and activities. Uh, the team since I joined has grown now to close to 35 people. And so um, TaxFix recently uh, raised the Series D. So we're in keep on growing and still hiring. But overall, uh, how I got there, um, I would say by now I have around 20 years of experience in the field of data intelligence and um, have a couple of things from a uh, my Israeli period in the intelligence unit, we cannot talk about it too much, <laughs> and through um, data engineering and BI, working consulting in three different continents. So that was really fun. And working with the biggest client out there, but also with a lot of startups. And started as an individual contributor, then a product manager, and one of which of those product and it was a data quality and monitoring. Mm -hmm. And this is where I capture and learn quite a lot about the field. Uh, but it was, you know, quite a long time ago. So I think like the tooling that I was competing back then against are quite dated right now. So right now mm -hmm. there's a lot of other tools that were not there when I was a product manager. And, and then moved to a couple of leadership roles um, and uh, in which uh, managing the full uh, data stack for for companies um, and even going through other position of managing the full product and technology for my previous company, but also realizing that my passion is data. Mm -hmm. This is where I, I like to spend my career. Um, yeah, so it's a quite interesting journey, variety of different companies and I'm in tactics. Yeah, um, I mean, of course, uh, you know, you um, piqued my curiosity when you mentioned the Israeli intelligence that you can't talk about, but of course we won't talk about it. But um, uh, so maybe just quickly, when, because you mentioned you know tax fix and you're still hiring, um, how big is the team right now? The, da the data team maybe that you work with at TaxFix? Yeah, so, so right now we have um, um, around 35 uh, data experts and two centralized teams that focusing on the infrastructure in data assets. So those are the data platform and the analytics engineers. And then we have a distributed team of data analysts that work embedded with the different product uh, units mm -hmm. and with our core products, with our new products, and of course, the, the business area of marketing and uh, operation finance. Um, and um, yeah, we have a really ambitious uh, goal uh, of growing this uh, this year. Mm -hmm. And so, Yeah, that sounds great. And it's so interesting. It's I hear this from so many um, other teams now that they work in this kind of um, hybrid uh, model between you know a central team that builds maybe the platform and a distributed team with analysts in the different business uh, units. Um, yeah, it seems to be the way that uh, works very well for for a lot of for a lot of teams for a lot of companies. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think uh, we, we just looked at it this week, and I think right now we're on the sixth or seventh generation of our uh, org structure. Hmm. 
every couple of months we and say, well, you know, that was right for that moment. But now as the business grow and as we grow in terms of like number of people, we need to shift things. And I think one of the questions that we keep on asking ourselves is all the time, what are you optimizing for? Hmm. So are you optimizing for um, very strong practice and technology or are you optimizing for business? Mm-hmm. And I think at the different level of growth uh, of organization, you should optimize for different things. Mm-hmm. But there was a period, I think, in generation two or three, mm-hmm. we were optimizing actually for strong functional capabilities. Mm-hmm. So actually split a centralized team and have a data platform, BI, and data analyst, and kind of like separating the roles. And at the later phase, we say, well, we need to optimize for the business. And this is where we say, well, we need to have the different people uh, sit in different areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably six months from now, we're going to optimize something different. But, <laughs> um, you know, your, your decision is right until the next decision. Yeah. Yeah. Super exciting. I feel like this would be a whole other topic that we could talk, spend the whole episode <laughs> talking about. But I would like to... Um, come to the topic of uh, data quality because I'm also really interested to hear your thoughts here. Um, so maybe to start with some, you know, um, my perspective is that, uh, you know, data quality is very closely related to also the trust that that we have in data. Um, and I feel there's often this, this you know, um, picture that people draw of the You know, this pyramid, the data science hierarchy of needs, you know, with maybe on the top, there's something like AI or something like that, you know, like that's, we're, we're building some artificial intelligence systems, um, uh, machine learning recommendation, whatever. And at the very base of this hierarchy of needs, I feel is, is data, is the trust in data. Yeah? So if, if people don't trust that the data, that the data is correct, then it's really hard to do anything else, I feel, yeah? because people will not, they won't uh, work with the data. Yeah? So nothing, we, we won't be able to create value. Um, yeah, I, so what I would be interested to, uh, to hear from you is um, how you experience this, this trust in data or maybe lack of trust in data. What, what are some typical um, you know, problems that you know or complaints that you've heard from, from stakeholders, from business users? that erode this trust in the data? So, I mean, I think like the, the first thing um, that people tend to underestimate are complaints of users. So, I mean, the fact the user complained, this is a good thing. Hmm. Um, it means that they, they care about the data and they, they need the data and they want to use it. And the, the lack of data or inconsistency of data is something that uh, matters to them. Um, I remember a story with, with one of my team members that we were kind of like uh, in my previous company um, we were split into different uh, countries uh, where sales were sitting in different areas and we were in Berlin a uh, centralized uh, BI team and, and once uh, one of my team members were flying to the US to kind of like just uh, discuss with, uh, with the organization there how things going and it was very happy and he said well, well what do you think about our the new dashboard that we built for you and how things going and they told him well to be honest we don't use it we don't trust the data <laughs> it was like the first time he realized that and that they're not using it and they're just not going to say it hmm. you know if they lost the trust they're not going to talk to you so if people complain it means they still have some level of trust and they give you the chance to improve so so you better do something about it but I mean, I would say that, you know, the typical cases um, are, you know, the, the, the majority areas is inconsistency. Hmm. You know, people build things on their own Excels and, you know, they they see something on the BI tool and someone else coming with a different number. And, um, you know, I, I remember even when we joined, when I joined TaxFix in the early, early ages, and there were like three conversion rates hmm. that, you know, one coming from the product, one from the finance and one from the marketing. And they were all kind of like debating which one is the right <laughs> one. And, you know, so we streamlined that, that. That's not a problem anymore. But I think like this is a very typical case uh, of, of like inconsistency, mm. cases of, um, you know, availability. But, uh, where, yeah. Where's my data? Yeah. Why, why, why is the numbers are so low? I mean, 
do we have a problem with the business yeah. or the problem is because the data did not arrive? I mean, so, I mean, tons of things. Yeah. We, we see it's all over the place and, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I I feel I recognize most of these things that you mentioned, and I agree with you that uh, if if people complain, it's it's probably a good sign at first. Um, yeah, and maybe the uh, what I just uh, was reminded of, you know, in terms of this dashboard. How do you like the dashboard? You mentioned like uh, um, you know your colleague, uh, and then they they didn't even use it because they didn't trust it, and I think. Um, I had this when we were making decisions about deprecating dashboards. Yeah, um, we thought, okay, we will just um, you know turn this off, and if nobody complains, then that's fine. You know, <laughs> so basically, having someone complain is is, is kind of a, is an important signal yeah, that it's something we need to work on. And um, yeah, so I agree here. And um, the. The point about you know inconsistency. I think when we when we start talking about these four layers, uh, that's kind of already a very high level, um, and I agree that's such an important aspect of data quality. Um, but mm, yeah, I think it's it. I think it goes to show how broad this topic is. It's not just about you know there's some um, some problems in the raw data, maybe you know some missing values, but it's really about like um, it goes all the way through to the, the metrics that we report to the business. Yeah. Um, so do you, I mean, we will go into more details uh, in a minute, but um, on a very high level, let's say, um, maybe when you look at a company, when you start in a, in a new company or like on a, on a high level, do you have some way to, to measure the, the data quality that we have? So how, are, how good are we in general in the company? Yeah, I mean, so so there are a couple of things that are very basic and things that are a little bit more advanced. So I would say the very first thing that you're looking is a kind of like system failure. Hmm. ETL failed um, um, or a, the, the system broke completely. So, yeah. I mean, it's very, very easy because it's, it's uh, being detected in the log files. Hmm. And so you can just like monitor that. So this is kind of like the, the I would say, the very, very basic. I would say more advanced one would be uh, looking at it from the eyes of the user and just say number of incidents. Mm-hmm. And when I say number of incidents, for me, um, I, I, w- I would call it like a bad day for the user. So it doesn't matter how many incidents happen in a single day. It's enough that one incident happened in the day to kind of like uh, make the whole day gray. And, and bad for the user. So I think one of the metrics we used in the past were kind of like the percentage of clean days mm-hmm. without incidents. So it doesn't matter how many incidents, it's enough that you had like a tiny bit of an incident um, and, and, and we were measuring it via uh, Slack and, you know, complaints or a number in report that was wrong or a failure in the airflow or in the DBT. So it doesn't matter where it is. And so that's kind of like around that. But those are really reactive metrics. There's all the proactive metrics that you might want to look at as well, uh, which related to kind of your data availability and knowledge in the organization. So those are, for example, the percentage of data assets that are compliant, mm-hmm. right? So if you kind of, let's say, practice dimensional modeling, you need like facts and dimension, and let's say overall, those are 50 different data assets. Mm-hmm. So each one of those need to have certain data quality or monitoring things in place. They need to practice documentations and things we're going to talk about probably later about glossary. Mm-hmm. So all of those things need to be full covered. And so this is kind of like the percentage mm-hmm. of, of data compliance and then obviously about a number of people that are trained in the organization so you know training and knowledge is so critical mm. and to have data quality to have like the common language for people to know where to find things and where not to find things what is a reliable and what's not reliable source yeah i i, I see this it's a like there's a lot of things you can do and you are doing and i'm amazed to hear for example that you're looking at things like slack messages uh for example also because that's yeah a common place where people complain yeah uh, are you are you 
quantifying that in some way? So we, we had it. Um, so every quarter we, we, we decide what are the metrics that we're uh, looking at. So essentially we have kind of like our North Star metric. Um, we, we, we can talk about it, but essentially like the number what, what, of, what is your North Star metric? So, so right now I'm, yeah, it, it's a funny thing because I really love and, and passionate about this topic, but um, you know, there's like a North Star metric that I wish I could have, uh, which is a number of decision taken based on data versus oh, yeah. number of decision in the organization. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's really difficult to measure. Um, so there's like, you know, if you run A-B testing or, or think of that sense, but this is really uh, mm -hmm. very uh, limited amount of, of decision making. Mm -hmm. So what we took is, is kind of like a proxy, which is uh, what we call WADO, uh, the weekly active data users. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, the assumption is that if you have a good level of WADU, then um, people will take right. a, a decision based on data. If, yeah. if the user are not using the data, then definitely they're not making decisions. So it's it's yeah. kind of like a precondition for that. It's a precondition. Yeah, I, I makes a lot of sense. And um, it's it's a bit easier to measure, of course. But I like the idea of the yeah, percentage of decisions that are supported by data. That's that's how it sounds. Sounds amazing. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, let's maybe um, talk about this this article that you um, that you wrote and basically this framework that you that you explained there um, with the the four layers um, of data quality. Yeah, maybe you can describe this this framework a little bit to our listeners. Sure. Um, so so essentially, the uh, four layers are. Um, it's quite common and quite obvious, but like first is the role layer, mm -hmm. and this is where the uh, data come as, as a source. Um, even you can call it a, for people coming from the, the world of BI, it's the ODS, operational data source, a copy from all the different APIs. So it's a level of, of that, um, the quality of this layer. Um, and in this layer, we're talking about validating you know, um, on the role level, mm -hmm. you don't look at the at the, at the record in the context. So, so you check that you know there's no null values or empty, and the the, the uh, value is fitting a certain patterns and number of characters and like matching names and think of that sense. And um, you know, there's like how to treat this uh, layer by putting default values and trimming things and, and complete missing value from, from kind of like lookup and think of that sense. So that's kind of like the role label, level really looking into the basic uh, information. Mm -hmm. Then uh, comes the process layer. Um, some people know it uh, more of, of the data warehouse or the data mart, depend like which school you're coming uh, around it. And, um, and in this, you, you start looking at the relationship between the different records. The very obvious thing is, for example, duplication. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, duplicate queue is, is something I really like talking about because a lot of people just looking about the generated key, if there's like one of those. It's like, well, the, the, the ID is, this, is, is, is different, so it's fine. But if you look at the business logic, for example, um, let's, let's take a user level. So you see the... The first name, last name, birth date. So this is my key, and this is where I'm checking the duplication, not on the primary key ID incremental value. Then here you would find like very interesting cases of a lot of duplications happening there. And there is a, a validation on source to targets and a validation across systems and referential integrity. Um, so, so quite a lot of uh, uh, areas uh, around this uh, part. And mm -hmm. um, so this is kind of like process layer, data warehouse layer. Then come the metric layer. Uh, and the metric layer, uh, and I know this is a topic that you're very passionate. We talked about it in the past in, in a couple of occasions. Um, and I guess there's a um, variety of, of way of implementing metric layer. Mm. But I think um, the way I see it is not necessarily as a tool, but more of a concept. And this is where uh, comes what I said, the, the glossary. So the definition of the metric. And so it, it's great that, you know, you have no null values and no duplication, but if you um, you and the stakeholders and the developers and the product manager um, 
don't know how to define net revenue. And each one think, well, this, is it including the discount? It doesn't include discounts. Is the rev share is in or out? So, and we see it all the time. Yeah. Every time I was like, well, it doesn't include a discount, but I thought that. Yeah. So, so uh, having like the, the glossary in place um, is, is very important. And I think like this is where education comes in place very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is essentially the metric layer. So uh, let's assume that this is all well done, come the force layer, which is the context layer. So the context layer saying that, um, you know, it, it's fine that you know what's the net revenue, but if let's say you filtered only on new customer hmm. and um, in, in one report and in another report, um, something was uh, defined on all customers and both looking at net revenue and the numbers are different, immediately you're gonna hear there is a data quality problem. There's a problem with the data. Right. So the end user doesn't know where it's coming from, but this is the problem with the data. The data is not reliable. Mm. It's the context in this case is not um, clear to the user or, and so forth. Those are kind of like the um, the four layers. And for years, um, I told you earlier that I was a product manager mm-hmm. for, uh, for, for different uh, products including uh, data quality and monitoring, I was focusing very much on the first two layers. Um, and, you know, the, the realization, I guess this is uh, the age and, and uh, the experience, make you understand that, you know, the, the full picture. Yeah. Thanks so much for explaining this in, in, in detail. And um, it's that's also what I like about this framework is that it is such an, a holistic picture of, of data quality. And, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. The first... Like the first two layers are what people most readily think about when they think about data quality. Yeah? Um, things like missing missing values, uh, you know, mismatching schemas, you know, different data types and uh, maybe duplicates and things like that. Yeah, um, but it's it's much more than that actually. And the <laughs> you mentioned the metrics layer. I'm passionate about it. I I feel like there's just a lot of people talking about this topic. Um, probably in the last year or so. Um, and there are now, you know, some vendors offering this as a separate tool. I also agree with you. It's not necessarily, um, uh, it's not necessary to view this as a, as a separate tool. It's, um, but I think it makes sense to view it as a separate layer as you also do it here in, in this, in this quality model. And it can be part of another tool, but um, yeah, to, to know that this is also, yeah, you need governance here in, uh, in place. Yeah, um, and these these issues also that you mentioned before. You know, people, you maybe you came to TaxFix, and there are three different ways to calculate this metric. Yeah, it's, it's such a common thing, and that's I think that's the idea of the metrics layer to solve that somehow. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's dive a little bit into into each of these layers. Um, so. But let's start then again with the um, with the row layer, which is the first, the lowest layer. And um, so basically, yeah, you, you you talked about we can do some validation here to like if the if the records meet some criteria that we specify. Um, how how do you implement this technically? What what maybe what tools you use or what processes? Yeah, so I think um, the tools. Especially the, the one that work with the uh, ELT approach and have like a strong analytical database, whether it's a uh, BigQuery mm. or Snowflake or uh, even Redshift, uh, we can go <laughs> even that far. Um, you know, at, at the end, you need um, a very simplified uh, SQL um, monitoring. Um, these days, within TaxFix, we use DBT expectations. And use this similar library as great expectation, but embedded in DBT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the team is, is quite happy with that. Um, it's it need to be simple and easy to, to implement so uh, you could have those monitoring in place. Um, and I think like one of the area that uh, I was debating and actually talking even against for a very long time was unit testing. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was really from the school that said, well, we really, we, we don't know which data we're going to get, right? And we don't know what's going to come the, the next use case. So you need to build kind of a monitoring system that allow you to 
handle anything that comes. You, you don't know what's going to come. Because for many of, uh, for those of us that, that work in the field of data, um, some of the data is being generated internally in the organization, but a lot is coming from third-party tools. Yeah. And, and you, you have no control of how the data is going to come from there. So uh, I was really focusing on what I call kind of like the, the, the real data monitoring mm -hmm. and, um, and putting all those kind of like tests and, and logic of what I'm expecting. Yeah. Um, but um, in the last few years, um, I started to think that maybe that's not enough. Mm -hmm. And um, there are some cases, and especially, for example, let's take tax fix. We, we have quite a complex tax calculation logic. Mm -hmm. so we, we don't calculate our logic in our analytics uh, organization, but we do monitor um, our assessment and we check the, the, the validity of the refund we, we show to our users and we're in a constant way of improving it and, and you know, looking into those things and, and looking into new logic that we implement in, in our system. So for that, you do want to have a unit test. You want to play several scenarios, mm -hmm. a scenario where the user have a certain use case of, of taxes and versus a, another use case. And, and you want to see that at the end, the whole calculation, which, which is really complex right. in analytics, give you the results that you're expecting. And same thing you can do, for example, with people who work with attribution uh, on marketing. So let's say um, you have like a very complex attribution model, and then you would say, well, if this happened, uh, direct happened first, and then SEO, and and then uh, Google Ads. So what exactly I'm, I'm expecting to see at the end mm -hmm. as a result? So that's where um, I think the QD testing is very helpful to to check it out. But it's still relatively small percentage. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I, is it? I feel like um, you talk about the monitoring and the unit testing feels like these are the two kind of uh, different sides of you know making ensuring the data quality here at this at this layer. And it feels like the the unit testing is probably about the expected cases. You know that we are sure that that those are handled properly, and the monitoring is about the unexpected data. Yeah, yeah I mean the, the challenge always with the unit test is it create to mock data. Right, so you have to kind of. Oh, now I need to create a full data set and and and, and test it and say like what is the ground truth and what are the, the results that I'm seeing at the end. And whereas the real data testing is just like you know the data is there and you just need to put the testing in place. So, so it's it's much less of work um, in terms of setting the, the single test, but I think um, they both have a usage. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, super interesting. Um, then let's maybe move up one layer to the processed layer. And um, I mean, you you mentioned uh, you know things like um, this is where you would also check for for duplications, but on a maybe more you know more abstracted level already. Um, um, but also in 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 your article, um, there was one uh, sentence that, that really. Um, That, that I really wanted to uh, hear a bit more about, um, where you mentioned that um, what's a good practice in your experience is that you provide daily feedback to to the users that the data is ready and up to date and ready to be used, basically. Um, so I would like to hear a bit more about how you do that. Yeah, actually, this was kind of, a, I think, a system that's brought in uh, when I was, uh, even before I joined TaxFix uh, right now, essentially, What we have is our people that on call um, every week. A different team member is on call, and in the morning at 9 a.m. or so, um, they're looking into different monitoring system. Mm -hmm. And for the main KPI, I think we have something like seven main KPI or main um, models. And we're saying if the data is available or not, mm -hmm. uh, like a green light in the morning. Yeah, I think you know it, it's kind of like. Um, um, a reassuring or a happy moment yeah. or kind of like the, the coffee in the morning that people coming in, take the coffee, looking into the, the, the all those seven green lights and see, ah, okay, that's good. We can start the morning. So so it's a it's it's a partly a manual process if I understand that, right? That's the person who's on call kind of gives this green light. Yeah, and obviously the idea eventually is to um, transfer 
prefer it to something more uh, automated. Um, but, but essentially, it's kind of like a green light that's going to be available in, in Slack. Yeah, but sometimes okay. it's not green. Um, and, and sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, you come in the morning and you say, hey, the, the, I don't know, the payment data is not available or the data mm -hmm. was not loaded. We're taking care of it. And, you know, this is kind of like something I take with me for years. If there is an issue, you know, those things happen. And, and just tell to the end user, they would understand mm -hmm. and they will not take any decision or they wait with their analysis that they need to make. But if they don't know, yeah. don't hide it. I mean, you would really reduce the trust if you didn't share them ahead. Right, right, right. It's much better if you proactively address the problems to talk about. I um, I asked about this um, because, uh, you know, I used to work for, for many years at Lavu. Um, before my current job and uh, also led the, the analytics team there. And we had something. So there we had a um, kind of our main business reporting dashboard, which contained all of all of our uh, key business KPIs, basically. Um, and this was updated daily and um, also sent out via email whenever it was ready. Yeah, And we had this process that Every day, um, there was one person also on call, basically in our team, yeah, and had to go through these. I don't know, maybe it's 10, 12 metrics that that are in there. It's in this one dashboard, and basically do kind of a sanity check. Um, so of course, see if there are any things you know that happened upstream in the pipeline. But um, even if not, if there is anything like any unexpected changes. Um, kind of a last manual look. We also had some automatic alerting on, on this, but um, we wanted to have a yeah, eyes on it before we sent it out to the company, basically. Um, and it's it didn't, it took maybe 10 minutes or so um, to, to do that check. It wasn't a super big effort, but I think it was valuable in um, creating more trust. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for the, the team member on call, I haven't been on call for... for long time so it's hard for me to judge but i think it's also a good opportunity for you to kind of like start in the on call and get to yeah. the mode i do my first checks in the morning all right i'm in the zone i'm in the on call um but yeah uh, obviously um you know automation is something that is always uh, great but i think um it's also good to have some engagement to the process yeah yeah by the way that's another area of um, tooling that I find interesting. There are more more now companies, startups working in this space of automatic, um, not data quality monitoring, but kind of business metric monitoring. Yeah? So um, it, because it's, it's, it's quite a different challenge uh, because there is much more like seasonality or other factors that can influence these business metrics. And to, um, yeah, we, we try to build a system or we built a system for that too in the past um, but it's always the the trade-off between you know detecting if there's really something wrong and not creating too many false alarms the whole time yeah yeah no i i do see um a, a differentiation between um technical monitoring and business monitoring yeah but essentially i i think this is something we're going to start seeing more and more um you know as part of the toolkit of the data organization, you got your analytical database, your ETL, ELT uh, reporting, and you're going to have your alerting system. And the alerting system is going to be used by both the data departments, uh, where they're going to focus on uh, technical monitoring, and maybe the analyst is going to do a little bit more of the business monitoring. Uh, but similar to how you give reporting for the um, uh, for different management and, and stakeholders, and uh, you would give alerting systems. Now, some of the BI tools today supporting some level of alerting, but to be honest, I think this is hardly being used. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, our, our stakeholder, a lot of them uh, are, are fed up with looking into a uh, ten dashboard uh, every day in the morning to just see that business are usual. <laughs> so they do want to start getting those alerting and they want to be able to play with the threshold themselves and set some new things mm. in place. I mean, it's, it's definitely kind of like what, when I talk about like the metric layer and the definition yeah. there, this is where, where it, takes, uh, it takes place. Let's talk about the metric layer then. Um, you already mentioned before the this 
this um, idea of a glossary um, that that you work with. Um, what how what what is this glossary? How does this look like? Yeah, actually, it's it's funny because I think earlier this week we released another blog post talking about how we build the glossary in Taxix. Oh, I have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, so so this is a yeah, I mean, early from this week. Um, so um, essentially, the glossary is is just a page, right? Um, I mean, we're a big fan of Notion, and uh, so we're using Notion for that. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the glossary have all the definition and all the metrics uh, in place uh, in the organization. Um, so it's just kind of like, what's their name and um, how they're also the abbreviation of that and also known as and, and so forth. Kind of like high level definition of what the metric is, what does it include, what it doesn't include, maybe even like a technical calculation. Mm -hmm. um, then we're a big fan of putting, uh, we're using Looker. So we're a big fan of, um, they have like the, in Looker now, the, the kind of like quick start. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're a big fan of, of putting this metric. So you can just click on the link and already, um, you want to see net revenue? Sure, no problem. You click on it and you see already net revenue. Mm -hmm. we, we already did the get started for you. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can start adding back the dimensions and other things uh, around it. And, and then maybe the most important part is the owner. Mm -hmm. so for every matrix, um, and, and this is difficult, right? I'm going to tell you a story right now, but in reality, it's much more difficult. But um, for every matrix, there is an owner. And for the most part, this owner is not part of the data organization. It's someone from the business side, and he's the one that decide the definition of the metric. Yeah. Right, so so together with with the uh, with the data team, we're helping him to, sure. to realize what it is, put the example, put it in place. Mm -hmm. But if someone disagree, so for example, we had a lot of time discussion about how do we define retention, right? Mm -hmm. Tax cases are a little bit complex. For yeah. the most part, you file your taxes once a year. And uh, what happened if you didn't come the year after? And uh, what happened if you filed two years in a row? So the so retention is, is is a complex case. I imagine. Um, we, we, we even change it over time, but who define it? So imagine someone from the finance decide, I want it this way, but from someone from the product think differently. Mm. So, so we said, okay, the guy from the finance, he is the one that owned the metric and Mr. Product, either you agree with him and, and you align with him, which is fine. And if not, you can open your own metric. And this metric is gonna be in a different name because this name is already taken, yeah. mm. right? Um, and then you can be the owner of this one, but so so it's it's very important that you know it, it's it's a journey to build that and making sure because there's tons of glossary all over the company. So it took mm -hmm. us time to kind of like holistically put it in place, and it's 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 a process of months because there's a lot of we talked about trust. Yeah, the whole thing is so, like hold on, I have my own thing. Why why would I give it away? Why would, from now on we would maintain it somewhere else? Yeah. Um, so, so you need to own this to to, to gain this trust. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the, the idea is that you know two different people wouldn't call the same metrics in different name yeah. on the one hand, and would not call in the same name to two different metrics, yeah. right? So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. And I will link this uh, other article uh, also in the show notes. So definitely, um, I will check it out. And yeah, for if the listeners also want to check it out, it sounds very interesting. Um, then maybe let's move to um, to the last layer, the context layer, um, because I didn't really um, think about this also as being part of the data quality, um, you know, framework and and thinking about data quality. And I think it's really really good. Um, uh, so how users, I understand it's how users understand the data and interact with the data, right? Um, and one way I think that that you um, talked about this is also creating standards for um, for reports and dashboards. Uh, um, how how do you go about that? Yeah, so so I think we have probably somewhere kind of guidelines of, of dashboard, but I think um, in a way we don't want to limit too much of our uh, developers, hmm. right, and, and our data analysts. And we do want to give the, the freedom um, 
And we, we want to see creativity because, you know, if, if you limit it to a certain template on the one hand, um, it might, um, you know, restrict innovation mm-hmm. and um, from the opportunity of discovering new things. So we, we still feel like we have a room to grow until we, we, we get to kind of like the golden template and we say, well, that's it. From mm-hmm. now on, we're doing everything like this. This is amazing. Um, but there are kind of like high-level guidelines. Um, and, and I think like even starting with, with the title, right? Yeah. It's like, w- what is this dashboard is about? And a little bit of, of context, even even a written context of how even to read this dashboard and yeah. what are we talking about? And maybe some links to the glossary, right? So we have the glossary. We, we worked yeah. very hard on building it. And now, um, you know, you have those question marks. Just add the link there that uh, that can take you to, uh, to the glossary around that. Mm. And try to make the filters very visible. And so, so you know what it is about. Um, so, so, so I think overall, those, those are a couple of the, mm-hmm. of the basic things that, that we have. But we do a couple of other things. Um, I think um, one of the things that I really like doing is what I call usability test. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, I want to hear about that. Yeah. And, and essentially, it's kind of like we try to make some kind of a, a role play yeah. where the... Um, myself or one of the data analysts act as the stakeholder mm-hmm. and essentially reading out loud the dashboard. It's like everything that yeah. is in my mind, I'm just stating out loud. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. This is a dashboard about ABC. Hmm, what do I see here? This is the main metrics. I can see revenue. Well, then is it revenue or net revenue? <laughs> uh, and what, what's on the x-axis? Okay, I don't get it. Maybe I'll see it later on. And, and, and essentially, you kind of state everything mm-hmm. out loud. And um, we, we just did it last week and mm-hmm. uh, we, we learned so much about it. person sitting on the other side and hearing about how his dashboard is being read out, out loud, mm-hmm. learn a lot from that and can you know, fix those things. Yeah. And, and I think when it comes to the context layer, um, th- this is really uh, important. Um, a lot of our team members, we, we have something called Innovation Day. And in mm-hmm. this day, you can have like focusing on, on your development and um, um, doing uh, all kinds of POCs. So a lot of the, the data analysts spend time reading the, this book called Storytelling with Data. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I know that. So, uh, so especially the new one that I haven't got a chance to, to, to uh, gather mileage of, of, of data analytics skills. Um, and it, it, it's really helpful mm-hmm. when you tell the, the story of data um, around it and um, really good examples. Um, so I think um, this is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk a lot about context in this book. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And it's, um, yeah, it's good that you point out uh, storytelling with data. I think storytelling, you know, communicating data, it's, it's such an important part of the data analyst work, you know, if it's, in a dashboard or in an analysis, uh, whatever. Um, it's not just about delivering some numbers. It's about the message that you that you tell, that you give to your to your stakeholders or to the business, to ever whoever needs to make a decision. Um, it just one thought that I had when you talked about the the you know um, guidelines maybe or um, uh, how you design dashboards. Um, we at, at Lavu, we, we did have dashboard templates or one main dashboard template. Uh, I actually talked a bit about this in a previous episode with um, a former colleague of mine, uh, Tobias Hatsua, for people who were interested, um, because he built those templates basically. And um, yeah, so this was about things like the general layout. So where do we have the the filters or other parameters? Um, you know what kind of you know granular time granularity filters um, or comparisons do we allow? But also things like color um, color schema, not only in you know terms of company um, you know brand colors, but also in terms of always linking certain um, dimension uh, values to certain colors. Let's say if we have charts about different platforms, so Android, iOS, and web, maybe that those, the Android would always be, uh, let's say red and iOS always blue. Um, and in, in any kind of dashboard where you would see Android, it was, would always be red. Yeah. So 
to make it easier um, to to know if you look at the chart, that's what it's that, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I love this. This is this is great. Maybe I'm going to uh, try to adopt it. Um, which remind me, in, in my previous company, you know, everyone in the organization could potentially create a, a report or a dashboard, mm -hmm. but you don't know which one are, are reliable, which one were created by the, you know, the system, the uh, the data team, that they were the, the certified ones. So I remember that in one case we decided let's just make kind of like a sticker. Mm -hmm. If it was created by the data group. We're gonna have data certified yeah. So we went to the design team, asked them, "Can you create this kind of logo for us?" And we start putting it there. Mm, nice. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a nice idea to kind of like create again the trust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very good um, uh, trade-off between allowing people to to build their own things. Um, I think you want that uh, in a self-service environment, but at the same time, kind of you know making clear. There's different levels of, you know, quality. Um, so one last question about this, about this topic of data quality that I wanted to um, ask you if, uh, if, if maybe you're coming to a, a new team, a new organization, um, or yeah, you're currently facing that situation that people in your organization really, they don't trust the data. Uh, um, And I'm just asking for a friend. It's not because I recently switched to a new company, but so where, like where, um, where, where can I start? I mean, I, 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 now I understand this framework that you talked about, and there's so many things that I can do. But is there, are there any quick wins? Anything to kind of get get that trust? Um, maybe at least you know some part of it. <laughs> and. Yeah, probably there's a couple of things come to my mind when I think about it. Um, so I, I would say probably three things that I, that I can think about. So, so first is um, what I think related to trust anywhere is about uh, reflection. Mm -hmm. So being able to understand the, the user problem or pain and kind of reflect it back. I understand that's what you mean. I could see this is a problem. It's like recognize there is a problem, and um, you know uh, we, we're we're on it. And the second one is um, you know easy said than done, and um, is quick turnaround. So one of the things on new team member that's coming in and want to show trust is about quick delivery. Mm -hmm. You show results fast. Mm -hmm. And fast, I'm talking about like within a week yeah. or within two weeks or something like that. And not, not oh, yeah, I'm going to work on it. Within six months, you're going to see something <laughs> beautiful. But really, you're coming in and within a week, you, you, yeah. you made a change. Mm -hmm. I think it, 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 it's mean a lot for yeah. the end user. And, and the way to get there is the, the third level is scope. Mm -hmm. Listen. Let's focus on one metric that is the most important, and I'll make sure this one is working well. We, yeah. Let's leave everything aside. We'll mm -hmm. take baby steps. So what, what is it? The net revenue? Yeah. All right. Let me focus on the net revenue and, and just deliver on that. And I think like this is um, also something that we had in TaxFix uh, in the early days when, when I joined uh, was exactly that. So, okay. You know what? Forget about the machine learning and the, the, the wild things. We don't even trust the, 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 the basic information. Okay, what is the basic? Basic is submission, payment, all those kind of things. Let's fix this. Then we can start building on top. And so focus is a key. Uh, the return of Steve Jobs after they've been doing all those kind of, We're doing just that. Yeah. So just let you start. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. The focus and maybe you know fixing one important thing um, is can can go a long way. I I, I like that. Okay, Uzi. Um, before we end, I always like to ask one um, maybe a bit more personal question to get to know you um, uh, a little bit better. And so, um, yeah, I'd be curious. You talked about your your career, um, the path that you took to, and how you got into data, basically, but. If you didn't work in data and tech at all, what what else would you be doing? Yeah, so, so I think like I had kind of like a, a situation. You know, I mentioned that I was in the Israeli intelligence, but mm -hmm. I was actually wanted to be in the navy. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, all my uh, teenagehood 
uh, I was uh, spending most of it to the sea. So um, surfing and sailing and, uh, you know, really big fan of, of windsurfing and kite surfing mm-hmm. and uh, every vacation. It's not a vacation unless I did both. And so I would say probably have like a nice surfing club somewhere in a, in a very cool island with good wind, right? That's really important. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, that that sounds that sounds fantastic. So if you if you ever do that, then uh, let me know. <laughs> I can visit you. <laughs> we'll do definitely. Okay. Are there any final um, final shout outs you want to um, do? Maybe. Um, You mentioned before because you're hiring. If you want, you can also um, tell our listeners about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, ch- check out the TaxFix. I mean, TaxFix is really an amazing uh, company. I mean, right now um, we have uh, finalized our round D of 220 billion uh, euro, um, and um, especially in, in a at least at the time that we're recording the market is very shaky <laughs> and and you know having uh, that is, is really great um it's a comp i mean two things are sure in life as we say uh, taxes and death right? <laughs> so, so taxes are here to stay yeah and i think like you know um we're really disrupting this this area and uh, mm-hmm. it's really fun to give back money to our users yeah it's the one place that the user gets more money than give and it's always going to be that way um it's a great value proposition definitely it's it's very easy to sell for for, for investors for users for people who join and um you know we really care about our uh, user financial well-being so this Mm -hmm. is um this is really important and uh, you know check check out the 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 blog of tax fix Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of articles um coming up every every month yeah. uh, so that's great great thanks Uzi. i will definitely link the blog also um well uh thanks so much for um for yeah coming on the show and talking about data quality and working with data in general i uh, really really enjoyed the conversation uh, thanks so much i hope to uh, keep in t- keep in contact and talk again soon absolutely thanks a lot valentine Thank you for listening to Analytics Anonymous. If you like the show, please tell your friends and coworkers about it. And don't forget to subscribe. Also, I always appreciate feedback. Every comment or review helps me to improve the show in the future. Feel free to reach out to me directly via email or social media. Take care. Until next time.